And we're live. Hopefully we're live on LinkedIn because that last week I had a problem going live on LinkedIn, but I, I think I got the bugs worked out and um, we'll see if many new people join us on LinkedIn. If you're joining us in the recording afterwards, welcome. And for anyone who's live here today, you know, you can, you'll be able to put comments and stuff in the, in the question. I, I guess I better open the show. Hey everyone, it's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Amazon, and others podcast where I talk about buying, selling franchise, buying, selling, managing, and financing small and medium-sized businesses. A little lapse of my tongue there because, of course, <laughs> today we're talking about franchises because we've got Giuseppe Grammatico, who is from ggthefranchiseguide.com. Is that right? You got it. Yeah. And we've already got some some viewers that are joining us live. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about franchises today. And um, you know, I know that I've had you on my on my show before, you know, to do some interviews and stuff. And uh, you know, you had reached out to me a little while ago to talk about some of the new and different things that were happening in franchising for the coming year. Right. I, I wanted to get you in just, I mean, last time we talked, we talked about how some of the different franchises had responded to the pandemic and the mm -hmm. things that they had done for some of their, um, some of their members, some of their franchisees. Right. And I'm just wondering if you're starting to see anything new in the market as far as franchisors changing up their offerings for new people as a result of the new environment that the pandemic has created. Yes. Well, th David, thanks for having me. Um, also, I am trying to get on LinkedIn Live, so this will be a, a good uh, a good experiment. So I hope I hope we are live. Um, <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. So yes, I had you on the show. Great, great interview. That'll be published here in, in the next couple of weeks. So I'll uh, we'll talk about that towards the end uh, on exit strategies. Um, yeah, a lot of lot of exciting stuff. You know, franchising we talked about is, is that proven business model, and we really saw you know in, in twenty twenty during the pandemic which companies stepped up, right? You know, the, the value proposition of a franchise is the support you're getting, right? It's not show me everything you need to do to get set up and now good luck, you're off to the races. So uh, that, that's the complete value proposition. You know, you, you need that support and the ongoing support as, as the years go on. So we're seeing a lot of exciting stuff. We've seen franchise uh, companies, for example, uh, tutoring franchises, uh, not to name names, but just to kind of give you industries where uh, instead of in-person tutoring, and now they're they're going virtual. So they're going they're utilizing platforms like uh, similar to Zoom or, or to Streamyard to, you know, meet with their uh, you know the students live. But not only that, but the the pool of tutors that you're using in your um, in your market. You know, I'm in New Jersey. Uh, now they're able to use tutors across the country. So they're really mm -hmm. leveraging the resources they have to take advantage of of the capabilities. So now talking to people, instead of having 20 tutors in your geographic area, I now have a thousand tutors, just, <clears throat> excuse me, making up numbers, but you know, a thousand access to a thousand tutors. So really exciting stuff. Um, you know, certain franchise companies, even, uh, which is something I've never seen in my 15 years of franchising have stepped up to the table where they said, not one of our franchisees are, are, are going to go under. We're going to make sure no matter what, we're going to take care of them. We're going to support them. That, that is our, you know, kind of, uh, we're going to be the, the operations control and every person at the, uh, at the company is going to work with certain franchisees and actually go back and, and work with landlords to make sure that, you know, we're all on the same page and the landlords are maybe giving them somewhat of a break on, on, on the rent as they have thousands of locations across the country. So we've really seen the company step up with the pivots in the business and the companies that really kind of stepped up to really directly help their franchisees, whether it be negotiation of a lease or, mm. uh, you know, cutting back on royalties for a couple months. So there's been a, really a, a lot of exciting stuff. And it just truly makes the case for the person that's a good match to, for franchising. It just really solidifies that case for, for franchising. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure that we're careful of during this discussion is that it's it's very easy when you get into a conversation about something like franchises to start to create sort of generalities about how, you know, franchisors do this or franchisees want this, because right. I know that every system is unique and every, um, you know, the, the way that they do things is obviously different. Now you gave an example there of some franchisors helping with landlords. 
would that typically be a situation where a franchisor is holding all the master leases and subletting to um, to the individual franchisees? Would that kind of franchisor be in a better position to sort of negotiate with their name actually on the head lease? They they are not in this situation now. So they're they're physically they were assigned X amount of of franchisees. And they went directly to the landlord. So now, um, obviously, okay. there's a lot of similar landlords across the country. Uh, so that helps with the number of franchisees that are renting, you know, ha- having their space with particular uh, particular landlords. But uh, oh, no, that yeah, is not so you're talking about like the big landlords that might have a lot of properties with many of the same brand across yes. the network kind of thing. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I meant to, that's that's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, no problem, no problem. <laughs> and and so you know. So you, you talked about some of the things that people have done, you know, the franchisors are doing to try and address this. Mm-hmm. Are any of them changing what they're offering to new people to try to get some new locations up and running? We're in a little bit of an uncertain time for a lot of industries right now. Yeah. So overall, we've seen, you know, with with pivots um, in business models, as I mentioned, the tutoring went virtual. So that was big. The, uh, the gyms as well. Um, you know, there is opportunity with, okay, now we can offer our our members additional training uh, via Zoom, via their, via their platform, and they will continue to do that because they saw how well it works. So uh, now with new franchisees coming in, so I'm a brand new franchisee, I'm, I'm opening up this year, we're seeing some great discounts and deals on, on leases uh, if you're looking at something brick and mortar. But overall, just in systems, you know, companies took a, took a step back and said, how, how else can we not only support our franchisees support-wise with via training and and holding on to employees, but what other services can we really bring to the table to assist? Um, you know, we've we've had mosquito spraying services get into holiday lighting. You know, so so that's an additional okay. uh, revenue stream. So in certain parts of the country where your season may be seven seven to eight months a year, and you know you have three or four months that you're kind of just taking off and, and just, uh, you know, gearing up for the following season, they're getting into completely addi- additional revenue streams, uh, utilizing the current client base that they have. So they're servicing homeowners. What else can we offer the homeowner that doesn't stray too much from our business model? And holiday lighting was, was, a, was a good fit because they had the homeowner and it was just doing that you know, December to January span. So we, we've seen a lot of uh, additional revenue uh, streams being added. I, I suppose that makes sense. You know, if we already have some customers, what else can we offer them right. in the way of in the way of a service? Now, for the people who have never seen you on my channel before, you uh, are a provider of a service where you help match people with what could be the the right franchise right. for them. Over the course of this past year, are you hearing different kinds of requests or hearing different comments from individuals who are exploring franchises? Are they what are people looking for that might be different? Right. So, yeah, it's a great, it's a very good question. And um, not that my recommendations change per se, but yes, I'm hearing things like I was really excited about, um, and this is more, you know, middle of last year. I think things are obviously changing this year, but was looking at brick and mortar. I'm really nervous about just having a physical mm-hmm. location. Let's transition to something maybe a little bit more home based. So, much less of, a, of an investment to do a home-based business like a mosquito spraying or a painting service or a cleaning service where you may not need an, uh, an actual location or maybe you need a small uh, warehouse to, to inventory, you know, to hold some of the inventory. So, you know, people, people got nervous. Uh, people were uncertain because in many cases they had interest in a business and now they're kind of being forced to explore all options. Uh, they've been furloughed. What do I do now? Um, my company is now... Uh, having us come back on, on board, do I want to go back? You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I know f- I have friends of mine that, that work in New York City and they're finally saying, come back to work. You know, we're, we're going to, you know, social distance, we're going to do all that. And they just, they don't feel safe going back. So, you know, that, that's a big concern. So people were concerned last year. So a lot of the conversations essentially just switched from a brick and mortar retail. And now we're looking at something a little bit uh, more home-based, uh, cutting the expense, not worrying about retail. And now those those same people that may have invested in home base now they're exploring retail because they're seeing a lot of the uh, the deals that landlords are offering right now. No, it's interesting. I know um, close to where I live, actually, there's a brand new location for a franchise uh, sushi restaurant. Okay, and the owner opened up. Uh, you know, this had been planned before the pandemic hit because they 
build new building under construction. I'm sure maybe there were some good incentives there for for them to open. Um, but what they ended up doing for opening day is they just omitted the seating area. Um, mm-hmm. So you know they avoided some of the costs in opening. They just have the kitchen. They're doing carry out and delivery and curbside. Um, but they were just kind of forgot that part of the business, the the dining area, right. until later. And so you know I, I can imagine a lot of people are thinking along those same sorts of lines. Um, as far as your recommendations to people, um, wh- like before the pandemic, what were the biggest categories of new franchises? I read an article earlier today that was talking about personal services, and I, I wasn't quite sure what they meant by personal services. What, what would those franchises be? Yeah, so you, you had a lot of the health and beauty. So you had massage, you had um, you know, barbershops. Uh, gyms, fitness, personal fitness uh, was was really popular, and, and it still continues to be extremely popular. But uh, with the pandemic, things started switching, and you know the, people started taking a step back and saying, "Okay, you know what do I what do I look at now? That's not 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 a, a fad, not not a trend that's going to be here today, and then next year I'm out of business or I'm looking for something else. So we're all stuck at home. So what are we all doing at home?" We're enjoying our backyards. We're enjoying our just our home in general because I know myself. We canceled our vacations last year, so um, home-based. Uh, I'm sorry, home services is something that was really popular. Uh, painting, power washing, cleaning. You know, any anything involved with the home, uh, landscaping, mosquito spraying, you name it. So uh, people saw that they they took advantage. And the beauty is with home base, and this is not my recommendation to everyone listening in, but there's pros and cons to any business. Hmm. Is that they're they're quick to scale, quick to to ramp up. You're, while you're in training, depending on that on that business model, the uh, the franchisor uh, with their turnkey marketing system is marketing and and finding you uh, potential customers. So um, you know, so people got into that, and I tell everyone is if you're in a home ba- a home service business like painting, your next business doesn't have to be a painting business. It could be a gym. It could be something that complements that homeowner. It could just be additional territory. There's so many different ways to expand, you know, for the right fit. Um, I, I did, for, I did forget to mention uh, one, one thing when you, when you asked about pivoting, you know, one thing that I, that I saw was technology. We all are utilizing zoom where you're on Streamyard right yeah. now, which is, a, which is a great service and companies really just utilize the technology. How do we, you know, how do we get everyone together? How do we get, even with, with people looking at franchises, how do we get people to look at franchises not in person, but via Zoom and make it interactive so that everyone's involved. So um, there, there are companies that even took away the you know, uh, receptionist area because that was another point of contact with someone where they essentially replaced it with an app and just said, okay, you can, when you come in, you, you log in, you, you check yourself in through the app, pay through the app. And then when, you're, when they're ready, you get a text and you go into the whatever that is to get your nails done or to get your hair cut. So they, they limited as much um, um, contact with other people as possible. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, so why don't you walk us through a little bit of this process? So who typically have you always met with that have come to talk with you about looking at an opportunity to, to open a new franchise? Who who do I normally talk to? Is that like, what, what is your normal uh, client look like? Yeah, so we we keep it very open. A lot a lot of people have some misconceptions on uh, business ownership and franchise ownership, right? I mean, franchising is simply that proven business model. So um, we have a lot of uh, first time business owners, and uh, I would say that would be a larger percentage. I would say uh, sixty, maybe seventy percent, and a smaller percentage are existing business owners. Um, and the existing business owners are essentially looking for another avenue to diversify their investments. They're looking for an exit strategy. So the more, to be honest, the more that, that I've been doing the shows, that percentage has been getting actually larger and larger as people have not thought about, you know, a, a franchise as an exit strategy or a way to diversify their their income. Um, the people I talk to, as a, you know, the other the other um, you know uh, group of people are corporate executives, people that actually save some money. They uh, you know truly have decided that you know, and employment, having a job wasn't right for them. Maybe they bounced mm-hmm. around, they sampled different positions, they got into management. So corporate executives that, that have five, 10 years of experience that have some money to invest. And we sit down and, and, uh, and through Zoom, you know, and, and, and or the phone, 
and we just talk about business ownership in general. And I tell them there's no right path for, you know, it's not one recommendation over the, over the, over the next it's specifically for you is franchising the right fit. Do you want the business created for you? That business in a box, the, I call it the business on training wheels. I, I probably stole that from someone. So I apologize if I don't give you the credit for that, but the business on training wheels so that I can come in, invest my fee and, you know, I'm, I'm off to the races. I, I, I can start, um, bringing in revenue, selling the product or service uh, versus the startup. You know, the startup is also another avenue. And I, I'm very clear that I'm the, I'm the franchise guide. My book is Franchise Freedom as with the podcast, but I do not sell franchises. It's something that I'm passionate about. But uh, in many cases, the franchise isn't the right fit. So mm. who isn't? It's the person that may think they want the system created for them, and then they, you know, for example, just to give a, a silly example, I, I, I'm looking at McDonald's and my idea is to run the McDonald's and add, you know, new foods like pizza and hot dogs to the menu, which, which is fine. You know, the Subway franchisee, the, the, the $5 foot long was actually invented from a existing franchisee. Uh, it was their idea that they took back to the corporate office. But if that is your intention is to diversify the product or service, a franchise may not be the right fit for you. Now, if you want to go about marketing and exactly how to do it, a lot of franchise companies will give you the assets and things to work with so you can go out and, and if podcasts are your thing or webinars are your thing, that's fine. But if your intention is to change the product or service, you may want to you may want to go yeah. a different route. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm obviously I, on my channel, I talk about buying businesses a lot. I'm a big proponent of buying something that already has a cash flow associated with it. The one thing that I see quite often is that people who want to become a business owner, they're trying to reduce risk by buying an already functioning business, is they might end up in a situation where they literally spend a lot of time looking for an opportunity and they don't find what fits, mm -hmm. and either within their geography or whatever parameter that they've set up. Right. And so I guess one of the differences is then if you're exploring a, a franchise is that really you can actually have more of a control on the timeline then, can't you? Absolutely. And, and I actually do it reverse. I reverse engineer the process. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an example that it works. I, I went through a franchise advisor, coach and consultant. Those are three, um, you know, uh, positions or titles that we carry. And I work with a coach and we, we, he actually opened up the idea of, of instead of looking at the franchise that, that is really, that really excites me back then was, was a subway or there was McDonald's was always the most popular franchise. He came back and said, well, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want the, uh, your role in the business to look like? And as we went down the list, he's like, you know, do you want to be open seven days a week? Do you want a lot of employees? Do you want to just have, uh, you know, two, two to five key employees that one is a manager and, and the rest are able to kind of run the business There's systems in place. So you're not there all the time. I'm like, wait a second, maybe, maybe I should explore some, some other areas. So we started out you know, this, and this is also part of our process. Um, blank slate. What does your life uh, look like in three years? We talked about goals. What does the day to day look like? Do you want a physical location or do you want to, you know, stay at home in your pajamas and, and work off a laptop? And those mm -hmm. are obviously two extremes, but um, be clear, be selective, be choosy. You know, you, you live once people settle. I see people settle constantly. They find a business or a franchise they like, and they're like, well, I don't really like this, you know, this business line or it has too many employees, but I'll make it work. Well, why make it work? Why not select something you like? So, you know, I, I essentially empower people to say you, you have a choice. You know, you have a choice to pick what you want, whether it's a franchise or not. Um, you know, there there are various investment levels. It's not millions of dollars. There's franchise fees uh, for under well under six figures. Um, you know, pick something you truly like, because you know, David and myself both own the same franchise within a few miles apart. David may be super successful and I may not, not because there's a flaw in the system, but because I just don't enjoy my, my role in the business itself. So, um, you know, I, I think especially this year with a lot of people doing some soul searching, you know, maybe they lost their jobs. They're not certain. Give yourself the, the gift. Give yourself permission to say, all right, let me do a, an assessment, you know, People say to you, oh, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. Well, we're all nervous. Do, do your homework and I can coach you through the whole process. Figure out, you know, what are your fears? Is it, 
you know, the, the, the number one fear, I may lose my investment. Okay. Let's, let's figure out what you need on a monthly basis to get by. What is the true risk in the business? Speak with existing franchisees. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I, I truly, truly enjoy helping people, but just, you know, I, I, I say enough is enough. Just, just take a stand. You, you live once. Why, why be miserable? Why not, why not, you know, go for change. And I, I, I enjoy, I, I enjoy helping people. And guess what? Sometimes business ownership just isn't the right fit. And maybe we work with an executive recruiter to maybe find a, a better job or maybe something in a different industry. Well, it's interesting um, for, you know, and I'm, and Hey, I know that people are leaving comments and we're going to get into the, okay. into the comments that people have left, but I just want to point out that one of the comments is from someone called LinkedIn user, which leads me to believe we're successfully. Uh -oh. On oh yeah, that's I'm good. Yeah. Right. That. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the, uh, back in 2015, I, I wrote a book called franchise warnings and it was one of my big, big sellers. And the reason I wrote that book is because I, I had seen a bunch of things happen with franchises as I had helped people either buy or, or sell, usually resales of established locations. But, you know, the, the, the book warns people about certain things that I'd like people to, to know about that they should be aware of when they get into these relationships. But I, I, I'd like to say that I'm not an anti-franchise person. I used to own a franchise myself, and I know that some people have been very successful in franchises. I recently at the grocery store ran into a good buddy of mine from back in my high school days right. and their family has owned a franchise business for a long time and they've grown and they've added other businesses mm -hmm. and every time they do they always add another franchise so that mm -hmm. like they've had success with the franchises and and they like the cookie cutterness of they like the fact that everything's kind of laid out for them and it's a system they can follow they're operation now is big enough that they've got hundreds of people across their different businesses and they need something where they as family members don't necessarily have to be the ones that are implementing the systems all the time. Right. Um, what kind of like, and this is, this is the fear that I I've seen, you know, that people have expressed to me and I've seen this kind of situation before where people will get involved with, sort of a newer brand or something that maybe doesn't have quite as proven a track record. What, what are some of the things that people should be looking out for as far as, you know, deciding if a certain brand or franchise is right for them? We, we could do a show just on this. I'm actually, I'm glad you brought that up because we don't talk enough about this. So, so we call them emerging brands, right? Mm -hmm. And those are simply, you have to start somewhere. So uh, maybe it's a brand with a, five, 10 franchisees, uh, maybe, maybe less that's looking to expand maybe regionally or, or nationally. So pros and cons is obviously there's going to be a little bit more of a risk because the benefit, um, of owning a franchise versus any other business is validation with existing franchisees. So, um, to your point, you know, we, and we, we've been talking so many times and not every franchise is built the same. Um, obviously the fran the franchisor wants there to be a good fit. So there's a mutual interview, but at the end of the day, you gather information, you gather a, a franchise disclosure document. And, and I work with each of my candidates uh, in reviewing that. But more importantly, I tell them, let's, let's coach you through the questions, um, that you should be asking the franchisees. You know, the million dollar question is knowing what you know now, would you do it all over again? And, um, you know, given, and that's implying how, how good is the, the, uh, the overall support. So with the emerging brands, so I would say if there's a, if there's a con, there's going to be both, mm. uh, a or a con or a negative would be that there's, there may be people that, uh, maybe there's only five franchisees. They're nowhere near your market that you can contact and ask. Um, you know, I, I've known some other emerging brands that were still figuring things out. So. Uh, they were trying to figure out the best CRM or the best invoicing method. So uh, maybe that, you know, it, it hurt growth a little bit just because certain marketing programs and things like that weren't in place. So essentially, and I'm not saying all emerging uh, brands are like this, but those would be some negatives, some things to to ask and, and speak with the franchisees because you may speak with them and say, yes, the first couple of months were rough when we, when they had first started. But now that systems are in place, they've kind of smoothed it, smoothed things out, um, you know, uh, and I don't foresee any other issues. The, the pros, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to remind everyone, yeah. if you're enjoying the conversation, hit the like button because it really helps the algorithm and, and maybe it'll get us a second user on LinkedIn that's watching. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Smash the like button, as they say. My son smash says, the like button. Smash it. <laughs> 
Um, um, you know, and, and so, so on the flip, so on, on the on the flip side, um, you know, the the pros, the the positive is some of the newer brands may, um, you know, in their initial FDD, offer you a larger territory. You know, mm -hmm. that's I see some of the service brands where maybe the population is five hundred thousand. Maybe for an emerging brand, in order to bring on some really good franchisees, the, the population is double at a million. And I'm not saying you're going to get that. And that's the case, um, for every emerging brand, but there are some benefits as far as, uh, number one, you know, the territory uh, size and number two, just being part of the, of the system. So as the franchisor is putting together the system, they may ask you a lot more for your input. So you may have input as far as which CRM system did you like better? What do you think about the the, uh, mm. the website? What do you think about invoicing? You know, a QuickBooks versus building something in house, and we'll show you some demos. Uh, so I've, I've seen some great examples. So really good stuff where you can really kind of put your your stamp on the on the brand itself. So, um, but obviously you have you have risk in any business, but in an emerging brand, maybe a little bit of additional risk, but you're compensated in, in many other ways. Well, Giuseppe, let's get to some of the questions here because sure. uh, we've had a few people leave comments. Um, we got uh, Mike from Exit Oasis says, "When might when might a skill set disqualify a buyer from being a good value fit for a franchise? For example, someone with high marketing skills might not value as much from a franchise that focuses on its marketing services for franchise owners. How do you match these strengths to weaknesses?" Yeah, so we we it's it's a holistic approach. We we take a look at everything. We take a look at the territory. We take a look at financials. We take a look at strengths. We, you know, we do a SWOT analysis essentially, kind of like you do for a company. Um, you know, as far as fits. So, for example, if we're you know we were looking at a cleaning franchise, and the end product for this particular franchise was residential cleaning. But it was really a technology company. The company had a state-of-the-art call center that handled all the calls for the most part. Um, any and, and, and turnkey marketing. So any leads that came in called a specific number where there was scheduling done, there was upselling involved. So in that particular business, I wouldn't say you'd be disqualified, but you didn't have to be, have uh, sales as a mm -hmm. you know a, as a major strength. It would be more uh, managing people since you have a lot of cleaning employees in that particular business. You know, it, it, it's interesting to talk about that kind of relationship between the franchisor and the franchisee. Uh, one of my first businesses that I ever got into on my own was a junk removal business. And we um, had talked with the people at 1-800-GOT-JUNK, but it didn't work out with them. Right. One of the things that those guys do is they run a call center, just as you described. And I almost describe it to people as the franchisor is actually being like an outsourced service provider for part of the functions that would normally be done by a business. And so you talk about some of the some of the things that that may be a lot of work, like uh, you know, if you if you don't have to focus on having you know sort of people that are answering the phone, that's not only do you not have to worry about you know hiring those people, but if you have a peak demand in your business, like if you are you know serving food at a certain time of day, well, if they can have a call center in one place that serves many different callers from many different time zones it can be easier to offer someone a full-time job in that call center than it might be for an individual location to try to find someone who's willing to come in and answer the phone for three hours, right? And, and so they can actually solve some of those problems a little more easily than the individual operator of a local location. Correct. And, and where I see p owners dropping the ball, and they don't do it intentionally, they're small, is that they finally, you, you spend the money, you do the SEO, pay-per-click, you do all, all the right things and someone finally calls you and you don't answer the phone. They, studies have shown people will hang up and I've done this myself when I needed a, a service done on, on my home and I went to the you know, number two on the Google search. So that alone, uh, just not picking up the phone, not having a live caller um, could really, really uh, truly hurt your business. Yeah. Um, oh, I agree. What, one, one other thing I want to mention really quickly, just to give another example on franchises, there's B, we have a B2B, business to business coaching franchises. If you are not, I mean, just a all out salesperson because you are knocking on, on businesses doors, trying to help them get through the pandemic, um, trying to uh, show them how to cut expenses and you're just very calm and you, you, there's a lot of red flags. Well, do I get leads? Do I have to cold call? Do I have to go door to door? 
uh, right on that first conversation, the, the franchise, the franchisor w- would just disqualify and say, you know what, given what you're looking for, it's probably not a good fit. If you're, if you're working with someone like myself, it wouldn't even get at, to the franchisor. It just, I would know right off the bat, but, um, you know, certain things require just, a, a what we call more of a hunter where you're going, uh, mm-hmm. business to business versus what, what we call more of a, a farmer on the marketing side, where it's a brick and mortar and customers are coming to you. We got another comment here from Andrew. Andrew uh, tells us that he's just started a microgreens delivery business. He's looking for any tips or ideas. It's kind of outside the scope of this conversation, but I'm wondering, have you seen a franchise in this kind of space, like in, in like small scale agriculture or, or that kind of thing? I have not. Um, Business, I mean, on, on the franchise side, I always tell people franchising is great, but keep in mind why why you why you would want to franchise the business. And obviously, it sounds like this this is more of a startup. Um, I you know you know what some really good advice put together a, a great team. Um, and I would say number one on that team is uh, David C Barnett, and I truly <laughs> mean that. Uh, David is a friend of mine, um, and 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 tell me if I'm lying, right? But when we, when we spoke, when I had you on the show, uh, we had talked about stories when I bought my uh, first business. I said, how do I sell it? Mm-hmm. So I think having a phenomenal team, it's I believe chapter three or four um, in my book, it's having an advisor like David. It's having a, a really good attorney and an, and an accountant. I call it the meeting of the minds. Everyone looking at every angle, the financial, the business angle. When you go to sell it, if, if your intention is to franchise it, that's a conversation that needs to be had now because that's going to affect the trajectory, you know, how you're going to grow that business. So um, if, if I don't know anything, I don't know enough about that business to give you direct uh, feedback or advice, but uh, I would start with uh, speaking with, with a David. I've learned personally a ton and, and uh, David's my go-to for anyone looking either non-franchise or to sell any business. You're my go-to. So a l- little plug for David. <laughs> well, well, thanks, Giuseppe. Um, the idea of having others around you, I think, is a key one here. And, and again, this is a little bit off the topic, but I, I just actually was talking with someone the other day who had experienced being a member of a mastermind group with other business owners for the first time and really was expressing how they experienced a tremendous amount of growth. They, the value in being in a, a confidential group of other business owners is that sometimes what you're struggling with is a problem that's been licked in another industry a long time yes. ago. And, and you can express your concerns, your problems, et cetera, to other people that own businesses who are going to be able to empathize with you better. And you never know, someone in a completely different business could say, well, we do it this way over here. And it can totally be a solution that can be applicable to what you're going through. And so I always yes. say to people, if you're going to be in business to any degree, you need to have friends who are also in business. And you need to have a, an environment where you can share together and, and not feel you know, worry that your confidentiality or anything is going to be um, taken advantage of. And so that would be a, a thing for Andrew too, is, is get yourself some friends who are in business, even if they're not in the same business, so that you can have someone to sound out these things and talk with. Um, and it can be there where you are locally. Increasingly, this kind of thing is happening remotely, which brings us to LinkedIn users comment, who says, uh, interesting topic, my wife and I had just attended Discovery Day for a franchise business that involved personal services. It was a men's haircutting one in February when the virus hit. We were at the cusp of putting in the funding, but we stopped due to the, the hit brick and mortar businesses took. Um, before we answer this one, um, are some of these franchise brands moving to a virtual Discovery Day? Yes. So uh, brands have, uh, they, and some are continuing or giving the option uh, to people looking at a, at a, a franchise. So yes, uh, you have virtuals. Some of them are doing them in person or kind of a hybrid approach. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, what, what we're hearing now talking to some of the the fitness and health and beauty brands are that landlords are, there, there's been some really heavy discounts out there. Um, that's, you know, it, you know, we're hearing numbers, I, you know, 20, 30, I, I've heard percent, I've heard even more. So it seems as if brand new companies are getting some really good deals. And keep in mind, this is this is actually really important. And, and a lot of people don't realize this. You know, we just say we're working together, or you're doing it on your own, and you decide you go to the discovery. Um, which, by the way, the only reason to go to discovery is if you're 90 to 95 percent certain um, that's the brand you m- want to move forward with. It's really not a 
an event where you're going to learn a lot of new things. It's more to solidify your decision and working, uh, you know, and teaming up with that franchise company. Um, but you know, it's going to take you months and months. It may be we're, we're in March. So you're looking at possibly beginning of Q4, um, when you, you will actually open. So you're, you're investing in the franchise, going through training site selection has to get approved by the franchise or some, some companies, including a few brands, uh, we work with have thousands of locations already pre-approved in markets mm -hmm. that they're looking to fill. Uh, that speeds things up obviously, but then there's the build out permit. So you're looking at possibly six months out. Um, and we're hearing there's, there's some really good deals, uh, with, with landlords and including new locations, because unfortunately some, some businesses, franchise and non-franchise, uh, have gone out of business. So it's definitely, uh, opened up some, uh, some additional opportunity. Yeah. We had a question from Spaco who, uh, hey Spaco, um, what kind of franchises do you re recommend for millennials? So is there anything in particular that you can think of Giuseppe for those who are maybe like the sort of mid to late thirties and under? Uh, it makes absolutely no difference to me. Uh, I don't look at that. I don't, I don't, I look at the person themselves. Um, I was not a normal 25, 26 year old when I bought my first franchise. I was definitely a go-getter, wanted to own a business. I, I, I kind of knew what I wanted, um, but I, there's no one recommendation. It's, it's literally catered um, to specifically what you want. Entrepreneur Magazine lists the hot franchises and what are doing well, which, which is great. You know, it's, it's, it's great knowledge. I jokingly say when I worked on Wall Street, Money Magazine's uh, top mutual fund uh, uh, changed every month. So really, really didn't matter. Uh, if, you, if, if you were risk adverse and you did not want to risk your money, you wouldn't buy the number one technology fund. You would buy maybe a growth and income fund. So same thing on the franchise side. We, we look at status. We look at your risk tolerance, whether it's an emerging or more of established franchise. So uh, I would say... You can contact me directly. Uh, we, we always do a 20 minute call to figure out what, what's a good match for you. Hermosa Beach Joe. Hey, how you doing, Joe? Uh, wants to know, what do you think of car dealership franchises? We, we honestly, we currently have not worked uh, with any and I do not know much about um, uh, that type of franchise. I, I, I apologize for that. Um, that's something I can, uh, if you want more information, we could definitely look into that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, Joe, from my point of view, I have also not worked on one. The, the question that I would want to know in looking at an opportunity like that is what is it that the franchisor is delivering that is, you know, and what is that you, what is the utility of that? So I can just imagine that if there are some sort of backend technology systems or maybe access to financing programs for buyers, or maybe some sort of way of sourcing, you know, cars more cheaply, maybe from rental fleets that are being liquidated or, or something like that. Maybe the franchise or has some kind of special sauce that uh, provides greater value than what you can get if you just try to go down to the, your local car auction and, and you're bidding on cars and then taking care of, you know, putting them up on online or what have you. Um, as the market for everything becomes increasingly integrated with, you know, finding your customers online, I can see where there might be certain things that these guys could provide that would be helpful to you. When I had my Sunbelt business brokers franchise, mm -hmm. I mentioned this in franchise warnings. Um, you know, there's different websites that business brokers use. And as part of my franchise fees, our CRM plugged in directly to those guys. And I was getting to advertise my businesses for sale on all these different websites at a lower, my franchise fee was a lower cost than if I had been an independent broker advertising on those different sites. So it was certainly an example of how that franchise system gave me an advantage. Like I actually saved money every month. Um, and that's a, that's a economy of scale purchasing yes. type of example right there. Um, Chelston says, Hey David, hi Giuseppe. Hey Chelston, good to see you. He says he's been two years looking into buying a business, uh, but hasn't found anything but dead ends. Um, you know, and, and I guess this kind of highlights the example I was talking about earlier where, you know, if, if you've got a good source of income and you're looking for just the right opportunity, you know, the amount of time you spend looking may not be as critical, but if there's something pushing you out the door, then, then it might make sense to expand your, your, what you're looking at. Right. Yeah, no, that's it. And, and I, I will say another thing with a lot of what we do, it's just pure education. Um, a lot of people don't, don't realize that you can keep a job. So, so Chelsea, I, I don't know your, your situation. If you're, 
currently working, but you can keep your job and have a side business, whether it's a franchise or not. So um, with franchising, it's not about just having the funds. It's certain franchise companies are set up for what we call semi-absentee, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week uh, with obviously some more hours uh, you're going to be working in the very beginning. But um, it just may be, maybe you're looking, you're concentrating too much on the product or service on the, you know, if you're looking at a new franchise, maybe you need to kind of reassess and, and figure out what, what's mo most important to you. Um, you know, a most businesses can make money. Obviously you want a sustainable business, but you may want to go back to the drawing board and figure out why you want the business to begin with. Do you want to keep your job or, you know, what, what your role in the business is, is truly going to be. Now, do you know this person, Luca Grammatico? Yes, that's actually my son. Luca <laughs> <laughs> says, "Smash the like button." He is, he is nice, uh, Luca. yeah, Luca and Eliana. They're they're both on my kids. They they love what I do. I get to work from home, and they were ex they were more excited than than anyone else. So they are aspiring business owners. I told them just not both of them to be online and, and eat up all the bandwidth for the, for the live. So that's my kid. Love, love you guys open a donut store one day. I can tell he's a fan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Raj has a pretty serious question here. And, and I'd, I'd love for you to unfold this for people. Why are most of the franchisors not forthcoming about prospective net profits or margins? Yeah, that's a, so that's a item 19. So once you receive the franchise disclosure document, uh, the item 19, and it's different. Uh, depending on each company. Sometimes they'll give you a, a, a one-year, kind of a rookie average, what the average uh, you know, franchisee in total is, is making. So uh, that, that, that's a good question. Not all franchise companies offer that item 19. Um, I'm not really sure why. I know that we've had a, actually recently a franchise omit the item 19 this year in the new FDD because they, they changed their business due to COVID. And it, since it was the first year, they wanted to make sure everything was sustainable and show proof and show more of a track record. Mm -hmm. So I, what I would say to that is I, I wish more would, I, I know, I know some franchisors don't, you know, they don't want to make a promise. Obviously, you know, you, you may have a slower start. You may blow those numbers out. Um, so my response to you is control what you can. Um, if that truly makes you uncomfortable, you can go on and look at another franchise, but more importantly than those numbers is speaking directly with franchisees because the key to finding out the true financials that kind of match the way you're going to run the business, such as I'm going to run it semi-absentee, let me contact five or 10 franchisees that are running it semi-absentee that are paying a general manager. And, and let me see mm -hmm. exactly what they're making. Uh, what do they make their first year? What's the true time commitment? So I would find, and it doesn't have to be in your area. I call people across the entire country, but find franchisees that are going to be running the, the, the franchise similar to the way you're going to be running it. So it, essentially, it's a liability issue. They're they're afraid that if they put some kind of representation out there, that uh, you know, if somebody doesn't do that, doesn't achieve that performance, that they, it could be something that comes back on them, basically. Right, and there's and there's disclosures. Obviously, you don't know how well the, the person are they really going to truly, you know, there are people that buy a franchise and don't don't follow the system at all, or they decide they only have, you know, five hour an hour a day to work the system, and things and situations change. So. Um, they, I guess, prefer not to, but a lot of people have been asking. So the trend since I started is, you know, I've seen many, many, uh, additional franchise companies add that item 19. Um, you got the item 19 and the item seven, which is essentially your investment, a, a range, a good range as far as what your investment will be initially. Yeah. Um, Chelston, uh, David assessed a business for me last year. Now the broker wants more money. Yeah. You know, in fact, there have been a series of businesses and industries that actually have done well in 2020 because of the pandemic. Yeah. And, and I've seen this, it's, you know, there's, there's winners and losers on both sides of this, of this pandemic. And the last year has certainly been a bit of a roller coaster for a lot of people. Um, Can I say something to that? Yeah, That's sure. not really a bad thing, right? Uh, Chelsea, right? I mean, if, if they're asking for 250,000 more, uh, if it was a cleaning and maintenance business, I've seen businesses double, if not triple overnight, uh, maybe additional revenue streams. So you're paying 250 more, but what are you getting for that 250 since that last valuation? So that got, that could also be you know, additional customers, additional revenue streams. Yeah. Well, we, we don't have enough. We don't right. have the details here, obviously. Um, we, DJ asks, what are the costs of using a franchise consultant? 
Great question. We're free. I think. Uh, <laughs> so, so we are obviously Luca and Eliana need to be fed. So how do you earn your money? Yes. <laughs> so we, we, yeah, right. We, I love what I do, but obviously, yes, we do have to make see, a living. See how happy well, she so. is. Like, yeah. We're going to make sure she's, <laughs> and that's fed our new you. puppy there. Um, so the, the fee, so no contracts, no uh, fees or anything. Um, working with a franchise consultant, um, we get paid directly from the franchisors. So franchise companies, uh, will hire us, will hire myself, uh, to find them great fits for their brand. Um, it does not make a difference in the investment to the person investing in the franchise. Uh, franchises are regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. Your franchise fee uh, is exactly the same if you go direct or through someone like myself. Um, the reason they use consultants as well is that they're, in some, some cases, I've heard uh, certain brands get hundreds, if not thousands of leads a month. They don't have the time. And most of the time, they don't even respond because it's just it's overwhelming. And many, and many markets are already sold out. So uh, that's why uh, franchisors hire us. So no, no fee to you. The coaching is through the process and for life. You're stuck with me. Um, we coach you, help you expand. If you're looking at expansions and things like that, uh, years and years to come. So I would, I would say that it's you know similar to like a mortgage broker. Like you go to a mortgage broker, they don't necessarily charge you a fee. The the bank or the lender is is paying them for what they're doing. Um, like anything, I mean, you're going to introduce people to different franchise opportunities. The individual who is making the investment is ultimately responsible for the due diligence of deciding if it's the right thing for them or not. Yeah. Yep. Um, LinkedIn user, uh, folks should not look at business as being antithetical to a job. Folks should view it as another legitimate alternative to a typical job offer. This is an interesting comment, and it reminds me of, of, of a book that I really enjoyed, the Gene Simmons book, Me Inc. Have you ever read it? I have not. Well, Gene, he basically talks about being in different businesses or having different jobs through his whole life and how, we, you know, it's always about what can I learn from this or what, how can this build? And, he, you know, he describes sort of going back and forth between the two two categories. And, and I would agree to that. Um, the one thing that I've seen over and over, though, is that to truly get ahead, you have to put yourself into a position where you can leverage resources and, and other people's efforts and things like this. And it's really difficult to do as an employee, you know, aside from certain C-suite level people at very big companies, it's hard to point to a lot of employees who, you know, have, have built vast fortunes and things like this. Yeah. And another, another book I recommend too, to, to your point is uh, Dan Sullivan uh, from Action Coach, Who Not How, um, you know, not, how do you accomplish this? Who do you know that can help you accomplish this? So kind of to your point. A uh, great short little read on, on Amazon had a deal over the, over the holidays. Uh, great, great book to, to pick up as well. Yeah. Um, and then you know, one comment here from Cloudiverse CPAs. Where can we find CPA firms to buy? We use a CPA website, but cannot find any. So um, interesting question, Cloudiverse. But um, unless you're approaching business owners in the correct way, you could be talking to people who are interested in selling but they're not responding to you in a way that you're looking for. And so that that's one of the big things that gets tackled in my business buyer adventure um, group coaching program is not just where to find the targets, but what is the correct way to approach them so that they know that it's safe to talk with you and that you're credible as a buyer. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're, we're just running up here on the end of our time, but I, I, you know, I thought it was a great conversation. Um, if anyone out there is thinking about buying a business or buying a franchise, um, you know, my thing about opening a new franchise location is it is a new business. And so you, if you face some of the risks and everything that opening a new business of any kind would entail, um, you know, I, I guess the advantage of the franchise obviously is that you're not starting from scratch with everything is that you have that plan laid out before you. And you can take advantage of the experience of other people who had to do that course before. And, you know, hopefully those experiences end up becoming part of the knowledge base that can help you be successful. Absolutely. I, I call it the unfair advantage. Um, there's plenty of people to talk to. Um, you can go to your local friend. You don't, you don't even have to contact someone like myself uh, initially. Go to your local franchisee that, you, uh, franchisee that you're could be a, a restaurant, a service, and and speak with them. Buy them lunch. Uh, they'll be more than glad to 
talk about their business, talk about themselves, how they, they built the business. So there's a lot of great resources, stuff that we didn't have uh, back then when I was, uh, I mean, we had resources, but not as many as now. So I encourage everyone just to really do a self-assessment you know, realizing job, job or business. These are various vehicles, but just get ready. Look, get your finances in order, um, figure out what you want, make sure, you know, you're, your spouse, your, your, your partner, whoever's involved in that decision is on the same is, is, uh, you know, they're all together in, in that decision-making process that they understand what's going on. I see too many times a spouse or a partner or someone being brought in too late. And then all of a sudden it causes issues. So bring them to the table in the beginning, make sure they're clear because like with my family, my whole fa family is affected, right. And in, in the decisions I make, whether it's working late or, you know, there's going to be waves of income maybe in the beginning. So just, keep the communication flowing and have everyone involved. Awesome. And if people want to find you online, what's, uh, what's your website? You can go right. Uh, actually, we just got picked up a, a new domain to make it a little easier. So it's myfranchiseroadmap.com. So myfranchiseroadmap. There is a free podcast. Uh, David's episode will, will be on here in a few weeks. Um, there is a webinar, 20-minute webinar that talks about pros and cons of, of business ownership, whether it's a franchise and, and, and employment itself. Uh, so take advantage of that. And lastly, a free book offer, a free ebook. It's about a 40, 45 minute read that walks you through our entire franchise freedom process. Uh, and then I encourage everyone take a look, or if you're ready to, to speak now, hit the uh, book a call, a uh, 20 minute intro call with myself. And I answer all my emails and calls. And even if it's just, you have a question on franchising or a particular business or need some advice, Give me a call. If I can't help you directly, I definitely know someone like David. Maybe it's a CPA. Maybe it's an attorney that, that can uh, assist you. So my franchise roadmap, everything is there. The process, my contact info. Um, yeah, so check it out. Yeah. I'm going to put the link, that link in the, in the show notes below. So if you're listening on audio or, or watching a replay later, just look in the show notes and you'll be able to find that. And uh, Chelson says, thanks you both. Thank you, Chelson, for turning you, in, tuning in. And Cloudiverse says, thanks so much. You're welcome. And Spaco gives us a thumbs up, but you got to hit thumbs up on the yep. platform you're on, like yeah, on LinkedIn yes. <laughs> or YouTube or on uh, Twitter. And uh, and we'll thank. Thanks, everybody. It's great to see you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, and uh, don't forget, tune in uh, every Wednesday. There's a new video that I have released. And uh, this Wednesday is no exception. There's going to be a new video out Wednesday morning. And, uh, and I've got a bunch of more guests lined up over the next few weeks. So there's going to be more of these live casts because I think they're a lot of fun. And now that, uh, you know, this is the third LinkedIn user. So there you go. Maybe it's the same person. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm glad that we're finally on LinkedIn. And with that, I'll say see you later. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, David. Take care.